I'm Bijan Karimi. Welcome to The Reflecting Pool, where I discuss thesis research being done by CHDS students, how the topic relates to the broader Homeland Security enterprise, and what it's like to be part of the master's program. Jessica Bress is the Director of Continuing Education for the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. Previously, she was with the D.C. Department of Behavioral Health as a policy advisor and liaison to D.C.'s Fusion Center. She loves education and considers herself an aspiring futurist, so when her fire chief recommended she apply to the program, she did. Once there, Jessica knew NPS was the place for her. Jessica begins her research by summarizing the United States' decades-long war on drugs, demonstrating the unintended consequences of current drug policy and how criminals adapt new technologies faster than the government can regulate them. Using the process of future casting, she explores how the confluence of globalization, hyperconnection, exponential growth, and urbanization might converge to create chemical and wearable enhancements, further complicating the regulatory environment. Jessica concludes that the U.S. drug policy is reactive and wholly unprepared for an unclear future. She recommends the U.S. decriminalize their use, establish a National Bioethics Committee, and create an Office of the Future to transform today's health and behavioral healthcare system. The first sentence in, in your thesis is, the United States has lost the war on drugs. That's a pretty big pronouncement. How do you know we lost? Um, well, in my opinion, the war on drugs is a public policy failure. It has turned into a war of innovation, where we now have criminals adapting new technologies faster than the government can regulate or, um, in some cases, even understand them. And um, in terms of how I know that we've lost the war on drugs, um, this has been going on for over 40 years. Thousands of people have died. Tr over a trillion dollars has been spent. Millions of people have been imprisoned. And we are actually no closer to controlling either the supply or demand side of illicit drug use. What's the problem with losing the war on drugs? First, the United States has ineffective drug policy that is not evidence-based, produces harmful consequences, and it's very reactionary. And so the second problem is that in being reactionary, it's unprepared for new trends that might shape the landscape of illicit drug use. You also said that criminals are doing a better job of adapting to some of the differences. You also talk about the importance of identifying some of these long-term forces, kind of these cyclical things that influence drug use in the United States. So how do you connect that with this idea of the war on innovation? I think it comes down to being um, more proactive and less reactive. Much of the literature on drug policy says that we need uh, to reform drug policy, and often this is posed as a false dichotomy where you either have full prohibition or full legalization of drugs. So on the one side, you have these new emerging technologies that are arriving faster and faster, and at the same time, there's these global megatrends that are occurring, like globalization and urbanization and hyper-connected Internet of Things, and we have this knowledge gap where we don't know how these emerging technologies like brain-computer interface, um, might intersect with global megatrends like hyperconnectivity, how these could affect illicit drug use. In my thesis, I talk about how new technologies warrant current behavioral norms and changing cultural values. There's lots of innovation that's going on. Our president recently said we have an opioid epidemic. 
and mm-hmm. he cites that there's 35,000 deaths in 2015. And the Department of Public Health, we need you to act. Is this call to action different from the war on drugs or repackaging the same issue? This call to action is different in that there's an increased funding to expand access to treatment and overdose prevention. Um, Federal agencies are acknowledging that illicit drug use and overdose is a public health problem, and it's something we can't arrest our way out of. But that being said, the war on drugs has not ended, and there's still a large focus on supply reduction efforts, both um, domestically and internationally, and it's still a federal crime to possess heroin unlike some places like Portugal that have taken a decriminalization approach. One of the innovative things you do in in your thesis is you look towards the, you kind of project out towards the future to then look back at what we might need to do now, your future casting. So what drew you to this analytical approach and what were some of your findings and predictions as a result? So the future is um, predictable and unpredictable, although these are not mutually exclusive. And I like the quote, we don't have to be blind men arguing over the colors of the rainbow here. And so I was drawn to this analytical approach because it was interesting, and I didn't know anything about it at first. And so the first few months of doing my thesis research was literally learning the methodology. I thought Megatrend's research is fascinating, and I also was drawn to the methodology because it allowed me to be creative. Articulating hypothetical fictional scenarios and worlds was uh, very interesting and especially grounding all of that in evidence and academic literature was a unique challenge. But I like that scenarios can sneakily highlight failed logic when we conceptualize some of these things, especially drug policy that tends to be very moralistic and it gets very reactive. People have a lot of strong feelings about it. So when you have these hypothetical fictional scenarios that you can use to highlight an issue... What are some of your findings and predictions? One finding is that humans are natural pleasure seekers. The human species has used drugs to augment our consciousness and our condition since the beginning of time. And that was part of my background research that actually was really interesting to read about. Drug markets are perpetually resilient. Our whack-a-mole efforts to stop things like synthetic drugs has been kind of a failure. And so every time a new designer drug comes to the street, we try to ban that precursor chemical or or regulate that one specific drug. And people who create these drugs will tweak one molecule and it'll be a whole new drug out on the street. I call it a -a whack-a-mole approach because it just never stops. And in your conclusion, you say that innovation, I'm quoting, innovation is slowly making drug policy irrelevant. It's not feasible to oversee the online sales of illicit drugs, all these new little things that are coming out. What kind of policies would be relevant? Relevant policies are those uh, that I think are focused on public health measures like prevention, treatment, and recovery, and less criminal in nature. Should the focus be on the outcome rather than the supply? Or are we focusing on the wrong part of this equation? Like alcohol, it's legal to buy, but you can't be impaired with the potential of injuring others. Yeah, I agree with this idea. Um, I think focusing on eradicating the supply of drugs is futile. And as I highlight in the thesis, there's a lot of innovation that is already existing that I argue is ultimately going to make regulation kind of impossible. You know, scientists have already figured out how to genetically engineer THC from E. coli bacteria. They figured out how to turn baking yeast into LSD and opium. So it's only a matter of time before people tinker in their house and figure out how to do this. 
things like human ingenuity has no limits. What if we have AI selling drugs one day? I mean, if people want to buy drugs, they're going to find a way to do it or make them themselves. So when it comes to drug policy, I like to wonder if we're even asking the right questions. Right now, with the legalization of marijuana in many states, I know that a lot of departments are scrambling to create an equivalent of like a breathalyzer for cannabis with the advent of self-driving cars right around the corner. So sometimes it's interesting to like pause and take a step and look at where are the trajectories of these future technologies. One of the interesting things that you pose in the future, and this comes from research that Rodrigo did on the use of neurotropic drugs and their effect on an individual's view of reality. So what potential impacts exist if there are significant differences between two different people's perception of reality based on drugs that they may be taking? So I think this is less about people living their lives in an entirely different reality as it is using cognitive enhancement drugs and technologies. So just because you might use nootropic drugs to enhance your cognition does not mean you're living in a perpetually altered state of mind. It's also interesting because it's a spectrum. So green tea and caffeine are nootropic drugs, they're cognitive enhancement drugs. But we don't consider them drugs, in a sense, even though they are socially acceptable to drink coffee in the morning. Given neuroethical considerations, where do you draw the line when people are biohacking their own minds and changing their neuroplasticity and using these cognitive enhancement drugs? I don't think that it will necessarily change society's entire view of reality, but um, it might lead to a realm of intelligence augmentation that could lead to kind of a divide, almost a transhumanist advantage and divide like the film Gattaca. So there's an intellectual movement called transhumanism that embraces the idea of using any and new technologies to enhance the human condition. And so I think I talk more about that in my thesis and less about people just living all the time in a different reality. Throughout your thesis, you talk about the importance of data-driven decision-making and that policies need to be grounded in solid evidence. If my interpretation of reality is different than yours, my facts might be different. How do we reconcile these two to come up with policy that works? Um, I think people have always struggled with differing interpretations of reality. And this is what makes a theory like social identity theory so compelling because it makes sense. But what I think you're getting at, though, is how we collaborate to develop a new social framework for conceptualizing drug policy domestically. In my opinion, we need to trade moralistic views and political meandering for actual data, facts, and evidence and use that as the basis for grounding policy. Data is the raw material of the information age. You make four different recommendations in in your thesis. What are they and what would critics say about those? My first recommendation is decriminalization, and that includes eliminating the War on Drugs and the Controlled Substances Act entirely. Uh, I provide a case study of Portugal, which is interesting because they decriminalized all drug use. And after 17 years, they provide us a lot of data with what happens when you do decriminalize drugs. And a lot of the fears never came to fruition. We saw an increase in public health safety, and we saw a decrease in illicit drug use and actually an increase in the number of people getting into treatment following decriminalization. 
My second recommendation um, is the creation of a national biotechnology ethics committee and strategy. Right now, we are literally trusting lawmakers, politicians, political appointees, agency heads with these policy decisions on biological technologies that most of them don't even understand. In 2017, there was only one PhD scientist in all of Congress, and our country actually has no coordinated biology or technology strategy. This is something that can, should concern all of us, especially with the advent of technologies like CRISPR that could, the gene editing technology that could literally transform all of society. My third recommendation is that we have an office of the future because it's important to balance adaptation and planning. And like I talked about earlier, bureaucracies and government tends to be reactive. And a lot of these technologies are still in embryonic stages where if we sat down and made an approach to consider the ethics of some of them before they arrived, I think we'd be better positioned as a country. And my fourth um, recommendation is a health and behavioral systems transformation. And by this, I mean moving drug policy from the realm of law enforcement to public health and also expanding access to healthcare and behavioral healthcare services. Health is the cornerstone of ensuring a population is safe, secure, and resilient. So I think that's a very important recommendation. So these are huge recommendations. Very. <laughs> what would someone say? about your recommendations? Some would fear that decriminalization would lead to a dramatic rise in the number of people using illicit drugs. This is actually the same flawed logic that promotes absence-only education in public school. Some critics would also disagree on my fundamental assumption that healthcare is a basic human right. I think some people would read my thesis and think that it's way too out there and abstract, but to these people, I would remind them that antidepressants, pacemakers, contact lens, plastic surgery, organ transplants were all considered fringe, bizarre, wildly out there bodily modifications before they became ordinary. A lot of effort went into the thesis. You worked a ton with Rodrigo. CHDS provides this awesome environment. What is your fondest memory of, of the program? I just really loved the program and had so many fun, ridiculous conversations late night at the Trident Room with um, my colleagues having any sort of discussion, debating, arguing. It's fun to be in an environment of educated people that are not afraid to push back and challenge you and not take it personally when you disagree with them. And I think that helped develop our critical thinking skills as much as being in class did. I hope you've enjoyed hearing Jessica Bress's thesis, New High, Future-Oriented Study of American Drug Policy. For more information on this research, visit the Homeland Security Digital Library and search for American Drug Policy. CHDS is the nation's Homeland Security Educator and part of the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California. Since 2002, CHDS has provided a neutral educational forum where current and future Homeland Security leaders discuss policies, strategies, and programs needed to counter terrorism and handle catastrophic events. For information on the master's, executive leadership, or other academic programs, visit chds.us.